Hey, this is Michael Dorinda. And this is Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode two of the North Meet South web podcast. Well, welcome back to the North Meet South web podcast, episode two. Today we're going to be talking about Laracon US, and then we're going to be diving into a quick review of Adam Wathen's new book, Refactoring to Collections. So, Michael, you live across the ocean over there in Australia, and you are actually going to be making the trip over to the US for Laracon this year. That is correct, yeah. And is this going to be your first conference, or how many conferences have you been to so far? Uh, this, this will be... Um, my second conference, I actually went to PHP Australia in Sydney earlier this year. Uh, so that was number one. Um, but this is my first uh, international conference. Yeah, they've got quite a lineup uh, this year for Laracon. And I'm not sure how many people are going to be there. But I know I saw online the other day that they're going to be sold out of tickets pretty quickly here. So I'm not sure how many they had um, available for sale. But I'm guessing it's going to be pretty packed out this year. Yeah, I think. I think I saw Taylor tweet out, it's going to be about 500 people. So it's going to be pretty massive uh, in comparison to PHP AU. I think that was probably about 100, 150. Um, So yeah, really looking forward to this. Yeah, I know that last year they had it. I'm trying to remember what the name of the place is. Um, I think it's called, I think it's the Louisville Performing Arts Center or something like that. It's a really nice venue. And uh, yeah, it can fit quite a few people comfortably. There's a massive common area where everybody can just talk. It's where they serve all the food. After each conference talk is done, everybody just kind of congregates in that area. So it's really good uh, for, you know, meeting people that you've um, known through Twitter or uh, just getting to know new people. We talked a little bit about that online the other day, even just like, what's our, you know, what is the purpose of going to these conferences? Is it specifically for the talks? Is it for the social aspect? I know I personally said, I, for me, it's about 75, 25. After having been to a couple conferences, meeting people there, uh, connecting with people that we've met online uh, is super, super valuable. It's led to a lot of great interactions online and a lot of helpful conversations that you can have uh, with people that you wouldn't have otherwise known had you not been able to attend the conference. Yeah, definitely. And, and that, that's what I found even with um, PHP Australia. And I, I suppose it, it depends a lot about um, the content that, that they are presenting at at the conference and what, what you're going to get out of it personally. Now, PHP Australia, I found for me, there was a lot of stuff that was interesting, but also it was probably a little bit, not beneath me, but stuff that I already kind of knew. Um, so for me, being a single day conference, a lot of that was just about meeting other developers sort of local to me um, and getting to hang out with them. Um, and also then getting to catch up with some of the international speakers, which was which is really cool. So Laracon US again for me is is really um, going to be a lot about meeting all the people like guys like you um, and 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 others that I've that I've interacted with online. Um, having to fly twenty hours to get there will be an interesting experience because we get in. I'm I'm coming over with a friend of mine as well, so we get in about six o'clock on Tuesday night. Um, hopefully get some sleep after catching up with a few people um, for dinner on Tuesday night. And then basically it's it's straight into a fairly full-on day of workshops by the looks of things. So 
uh, it'll be interesting to see how the brain functions and and how much I'm actually able to absorb, <laughs> especially starting with I think Adam's speaking first on he's got the first um, workshop on the Wednesday, so that's one I really want to absorb information from. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'll take some good notes and uh, I'll, we'll let you sleep through that first <laughs> one and we'll we'll understand it. We won't take it as an insult, right? It's going to be uh, other side of the world for you. Although, let me think here. Yeah, typically the way that it works is when I'm waking up in the morning, it's late for you and you're getting ready to turn in for the night, yeah. right? So, um, that, so, yeah, I guess early in the morning will pretty much be like, you're, you know, if we're starting at eight, it'll be like, it'll be midnight for you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Almost one, almost, you know, almost one in the morning for you. Yeah. Well, we, I think we've got about 20 hours of flights. We leave at 9.30 on Tuesday morning from, from Adelaide. Um, and then we get in after flying for, I think, 22 hours to Louisville at 6 p.m. on Tuesday. Gosh. So oh. there's, we, we, um, we gain a bit there. Um, but then coming back, we leave on Saturday, or I leave on Saturday night and get back on Monday afternoon because we lose a day. So Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the, the whole condensed schedule, it's basically gonna be fly for twenty hours, meet people, learn, 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 whatever happens Wednesday night, Thursday is gonna be learn, 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 whatever happens Thursday night, Friday, same thing, and then um, luckily I get a bit of reprieve on Saturday, although my wife's actually sending me to, I think there's a Disney store in Louisville. Oh, yeah. So she's, yeah. she's, she's given me a list um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to buy some stuff for her because she's not, cool. not making the trip over. Okay. Okay. What sort of things does she have on the list for you? It's uh, a good question. Is When we went to Disneyland for our honeymoon, um, she bought like mugs and um you know, pins and blankets and things like that. So there were probably a few things that she saw in, in Louisville that, that we couldn't get when we were in Anaheim. So, um, yeah, I don't know off the top of my head, but but there was probably about 10 or 15 different things on there, I reckon. That's funny. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you've seen it on Facebook and Twitter, but Taylor Otwell, uh, the creator of Laravel and his family are currently in, uh, is it Disneyland or is Disney World? I never know the difference. Which one is it? Yeah, you I know? think Disney World. I think okay, it was Disney the one World, in Florida. yeah. Yeah, the one in Florida. Um, uh, down in Orlando, Florida. So uh, it seems like they've been having an awesome time. So it'll be cool for him to kind of just, I'm sure, get some relaxing time before the Laracon US season starts kicking in and they have to start prepping stuff for that. Um, yeah, definitely. So it sounds like they're going to have some pretty cool stuff at Laracon besides the talks and and just all the things that they plan for social interactions. I know one of the things that I was looking forward to um it's the, the like the after party. Is it the first night? I think it's like the uh, I don't even know what they were calling it, but it looks like they're going to have a ton of games, like even gaming systems yeah. set up. Um, they said they're going to have ping pong. They're going to have billiards or pool or whatever. Uh, yeah. Looks like they're going to have some card games. So it seems like that's uh, like that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I haven't played pool. When, when they said that there was going to be pool, I, I had to think back and I was talking to a friend about it the other day and I don't think I've played pool for about three years maybe. So okay. it, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes for the rust to fall off. <laughs> I've, uh, I've you know played pool very little. The only experience I've ever had is you know, my uncle had a pool table so we would play every once in a while but I'm not too 
Uh, I'm not too good at pool. Uh, did you ever play it like with any seriousness or was it a, a hobby of yours or? No, we had, um, we had a pool table, just like a really crappy cheap one at um, one of my previous jobs. Um, so, you know, you go and use that at lunchtime and it was these tiny balls on this tiny table. And if, if you hit them, if they hit the, the sort of the padding on the edge of the table, at the right speed, they would just go flying, and we had windows being hit and and all sorts. So, yeah, but um, no, it was never never a, a serious thing. Uh, usually, we'd go to a like a pool hall here um, of a Friday night after work or a Saturday, and and just hang out uh, and play a few games for a few yeah. hours, and yeah, good way to wind down. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I did, however, grow up playing some ping pong i i remember when i, I would go to summer camp in the and uh oh, yeah. they would have these ping pong tournaments and oh man i loved it i loved it there was always the kids who would show up with their um you know i, I think the name of the the paddle was like a Steiger paddle but they, they'd have all this you know they'd have all the special equipment and stuff and um i never had that but uh i still enjoyed it just the same and and then uh, had a kind of crappy ping pong table growing up. So my uh, brother and my my brothers and my dad are actually pretty good. And so we, we get into some fierce competitions uh, whenever there's a ping pong table around. And I don't know. I'm sure I will probably get smoked at Laracon this year. There's probably some people who are far better than I am. But I think I'll probably give it a shot anyway. Just give it a go. Play a couple games. Sure. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had a table at, at my last job at the at the studio. And it was... One of the guys, he brought his own, you know, fancy paddle, and, right. and I'm sitting there. I oh, look, I I'd have a hard time hitting the ball and getting it to land on the other side of the table half the time. So right. maybe maybe you'll be the ping pong master, and I'll <laughs> maybe I'll I'll teach you something or uh, about Paul. There we go. That sounds good, man. Sounds good. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with Laracon specifically? Um, look, if someone can somehow use Laravel to invent some kind of instantaneous travel machine that'd be great (laughs) (laughs) there we go yeah absolutely oh man 20 hours of flight i don't know that's uh seems like a lot i'm glad you're willing to make the trip though i think there's a lot of people looking forward to meeting you over on this side so it'll be fun to see yeah yeah i put out a tweet today and i just people people who didn't know that i was coming and they seem pretty excited about it and just people that i they must have read a, a blog or seen me post about laravel somewhere tweeting at me today going oh you know looking forward to see you so yeah it's cool that's one of my favorite things about this community is everybody's it's it's not so massive that you're on the outside for long if you if you put any effort into it whatsoever you're going to know people pretty quickly right and so uh yeah. they're super welcoming super helpful and uh, it's just been really cool to be a part of it for the last couple of years so yeah it'll be cool to see you um so I know that this morning and even last night for a little bit, I was uh, sprinting, reading, trying to finish Adam's new book, Refactoring to Collections. And uh, as far as I understand it, you, under, you finished it this morning or, or this afternoon as well, probably? Yeah, I finished it um, earlier today. Okay. And man, it was an awesome, awesome read. Probably one of the, one of the best books I've read on programming in quite some time. It was technical, for sure. But it was uh, very, very approachable. I found that the examples that he used um, were very relatable and translated well into a lot of things that I've maybe encountered myself in the past. Um, And so I don't know if there was any highlights that you kind of took away uh, from his book that you wanted to share. Yeah, I think 
first and foremost, and I've and I've I've said this to Adam directly. I it is the best looking technical you know programming book that I've seen. And the fact that he went out of his way to write his own parser and his own syntax highlighting just so that he could illustrate all of his points exactly how he wanted to. Um, that was probably my my favorite part of it, aside from the content. Um, but in terms of content, a lot of what I saw, maybe not a hundred percent specific to my um, to anything that I've written before, but definitely I can see. <laughs> trying to think of how to sound, I, I I definitely saw code that I had written before. You know the the whole the temporary variables and um, all of the loops and things like that. So, um, being able to see code that I had written myself and then see how I could then refactor that using collections and using the collection pipelines was really handy. And I've, I mean, I, I first got exposure to PHP's array filter and map and those kind of functions probably a couple of years ago, but it wasn't until I started using Laravel that I, that I, it all sort of started to click with the, with the collections. Um, and just the way that you can pipe content from one method to the next, to the next until you get a result is really cool. But I'm I'm hoping and I keep pestering him about it and I hope that at, at some point he does Adam does actually put a, a blog post out talking about the performance implications of using collections because also like the the theory of being able to never write a loop again, there are like like with anything in programming, there are times when you have to pick the right tool for the job. And at, at some point, just by the way that collections are handled where you're building up array after array and passing them around, um, you can run out of memory. So my concerns not so much around, you know, how how fast they are or, you know, whether it's, you know, 20 milliseconds or, or 10 milliseconds to get a result on the page, as long as they read well, um, and that's what it comes down to. If I'm sending someone code, they got to understand what it is. And if I'm looking at it, I want it to read um, so that you, you can look at it and know exactly what's going on. Um, but yeah, definitely, I, I did have a collection pipeline that I was working on a few weeks ago, and I, and I said to Adam, you know, I think 1,200 items in the collection just is too big. He goes, you know what, if it was 1,100, you'd be fine, but 1,200 is just pushing that a little bit too far. So. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, uh, it's true. I, I know that we've had, we've had memory issues in the past, but not even necessarily in using collection pipelines and just in using straight arrays, um, you know, and these nasty nested for each is over a bazillion, bazillion you know, records or whatever it, it is. In my uh, line of work, I deal with lots of large sets of data and uh, having to transform those. So I haven't hit any problems necessarily with collections, uh, mostly because I've been using them on a couple of recent projects. And in these recent projects, the large sets of data that we were dealing with were actually batched and parsed into smaller sets of data. Uh, so we would have like chunks of 50. And so that was that was helpful to just... For, for multiple reasons, for testing, uh, to be able to just test a little batch of 50 at a time. Uh, it was also useful in production, of course, because we weren't running out of memory and everything was, was pretty fast. You get really pretty quick feedback. But I absolutely would agree with you that using this collection pipeline style makes it entirely more readable than it does using any other method that I've, that I've found, right? Um, and so I think kind of the argument, and as long as you're not running out of memory, um, is that it's much cheaper 
to pay for additional cycles or more RAM on a server than it is to pay for developer time to figure out badly written code, right? Uh, or non-declarative Absolutely. code. So I feel like for a while there in PHP, everything was related to performance. Like, oh, well, this way to do it is faster and this way to do it is faster, but it, with a complete disregard for which way was easier for a developer to actually read. Um, I'm trying to think, there's a couple of things that Adam talked about that were really important. One of the things that he talked about that... I've really enjoyed and tried to implement in my programming lately is this idea of tell, don't ask. Yeah. When, when, when he dove into, I think he was talking about small talk and the fact that everything's an object and that everything is an operation and a Boolean, sorry, a true or a false is a child of, of a Boolean. And, and you always call, you know, if true or is true. And just looking at that and using the, and the macros to implement that on top of Laravel's collections. I was just sitting there going, you did what? You just see the, the, the wheels turning in my head going, I'm going to use this somewhere and I'm going to upset someone. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've tried as much as possible. It's almost a joke to you know eliminate these conditionals anytime I can. Uh, just because it reads cleaner, I feel like it is so much more declarative to, to like always be able to say, go do this and it will return back something that's usable for me instead of having to ask, is this condition met? Okay, do this. Otherwise, do this thing because you run into the same problem that you would run into with these nested for each loops. You run into these nested conditionals where you have, if this statement is true, then go do this. And then if this is true, go do this. And, and it's you might as well be using go-tos like back in the old days at that point. Um, so being able to, and, and there was a couple different strategies he had for uh, kind of eliminating some of those conditionals. One of the ones that I thought was was really good is you can use Laravel's array get, and I'm sure there's equivalents with other packages or programming languages. He also had the collection method of first, where you can essentially say, get me the first item in the collection that matches this. Uh, and then the second argument that you pass it is the default value. So you don't have to specify a condition to say, if I can find this, then grab it for me. Otherwise, go do this thing. You basically, you, you, continue, you can continue in your, in your pipeline because it will just return the value that you want if it doesn't find the one that you're looking for. Um, yeah, and that null object pattern, whatever that was called, it escapes mm-hmm. me now, but that's really handy as well to always have um, an object that will return and it'll, it'll respond to the same methods that an actual object that's present within your application does. Uh, and that way it doesn't matter what it is. You don't have to worry about that error handling. You just know that if you get the null object, you can call the method on it as though it was you know, a, rec- a record in your database and it won't do anything, but it also won't trigger any errors in your, in your code base. So that's, that's kind of handy as well. Yeah, it pretty much returns like a no-op, right? And it, that's different for each case, uh, as he talks about. It could be an, an empty array that you're returning. It could be a null value. It could be uh, an, a null object that, that has the same uh, method signatures, but just essentially doesn't do anything. And that makes it incredibly powerful because, like you said, that essentially replaces that essentially replaces your conditional. You don't have to have to worry if you're going to get a return value, if you don't, you're going to return this null object and that's going to handle it in a way that's going to work with your system. So yeah, those have been some really powerful things that I've taken away from this and things that I've actually implemented since he he had his talk uh, last year. He references his uh, talk about coupons 
uh, that he had at Laracon last year, and he talked about that uh, that null object. And I've 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 used that in my code a couple of times since then. So, um, yeah, I yeah. think that's like one of my favorite things is that literally you could sit down, read this book, read through even even a quarter of it, and find practical things that you can implement today in your code. Um, Absolutely. The, even the first chapter, the you know a bit of theory chapter where he's talking about the differences between declarative and, imper- and imperative programming and then looking at how to re-implement a for-each loop or how to re-implement a filter, you know, things that the language provides, but actually explaining what's happening under the hood and what those functions actually do. So, you know, that as you say, that's the kind of stuff that you could pick up. You could read that first part of the book and you'd be ready to actually make measurable changes to your code base. So, I mean, I've always... I've been a fan of returning early for a long time, but this is taking that one step further where you get rid of that conditional entirely and just return. Yep. The, uh, there was two other things that I, I kind of wanted to highlight here. And um, the first one was that this is not just a book about collections, uh, right? Like the first word in this title is refactoring. And I've found that to be um, very true. Even as I went through the rest of the book is that he will take a problem and he'll introduce the problem in a way that, your brain is already kind of trying to think through, okay, how would I solve this problem? He introduces it at the very start to say, this is the problem that I've been given by the client. Uh, now let's see how we can solve that. And so he'll write, he'll start with a very rudimentary for each loop, just get it done, right? It's kind of like what you do if you're doing TDD, you write the test, you just get green. And then he starts to refactor it from there. Um, and I love the fact that he'll start... Uh, he doesn't do it all at once, right? So he doesn't start with the for each loop and then just ends up with this this tiny little set of methods that looks all neat and tidy. He does it one step at a time and kind of carries you along with him. Uh, and at each step, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And each time you think it's like, okay, that's good. That's good. That's We're done now. And he'll, he'll show you another uh, kind of an additional pass at it for how can we take this even a little bit further? And uh, you end up with just some uh, amazing code. Um, you feel more like you're writing almost like poetry or something than, than acting like a, a programmer. You know, it's really kind of funny. Yeah. He, and I think he definitely takes pride in that to, to be able to reduce it down to its simplest parts and present it that way. Yeah. And I think not only, as you, as you say, showing the before and showing the after, but, and not showing just how to get there, but the thought process to get from A to B all the way through to Z. Um, and I think that, that's important because you can show someone an answer. You know, you can do the whole stack overflow, copy paste, which doesn't teach you how they come to that solution. It's just, you know, here's this, get on with it. This book does a great job of showing you or teaching you the thought process, looking at each individual piece and then going, how do I refactor this? How do I refactor that? How do I get it down to a single collection pipeline? And I think that's probably one of the other main takeaways from the book for me as well yeah the one last thing i kind of want to talk about with the book that i found to be kind of it wasn't a major major part of the book i think it's on page 86 which isn't necessarily important but in case you have the book and you're referencing it so he instead of using constructors a lot of time what what he'll do is he will instead use a static method in in place of his constructor which kind of allows you to be a little more declarative when you're newing up your your object so instead of just having a user score, maybe, 
you could have a couple different ways that you could arrive at that user score, right? If you're pulling it from a JSON feed or if you're hydrating a object from your database or, or what have you, instead of just having a new user score and then passing in the value that you'd want, he would say possibly user score uh, colon colon from JSON or user colon colon from DB or whatever, right? And the specific example he gives is a GitHub score and he has four user. And one of the challenges that you face with that is if you're having a static instance and you have all these methods that you're calling is you end up having to a lot of times pass around specific values to those methods. So for example, if you're passing in like a JSON feed and you're having to operate on that on that JSON string to be able to extract values, you have to pass that JSON string from method to method to method, uh, which can be really quite tedious and it makes your code a lot less readable. Uh, so what he did is he he kind of has made this, um, what he's calling a private instance. And so in his constructor, he will return a new object of whatever he's working with. And then he assigns that as a, as a local property, right? So he has like private username or private JSON feed is what we'd maybe call it on the object itself. And then instead of passing that from method to method to method, he just references right this JSON feed or whatever, which makes it a lot a lot more uh, easy to be able to uh, change that in the future if you needed to add something. You don't have to go through each one of your methods and, and change that out, uh, change out that list of arguments. Um, so I thought that was really, really cool. I, I think I'll be using that in the future as well. Yeah, the name constructors are, are really handy, especially as as the main use of it is to pass in input data that that is in a different format, but you always want the same output. And I've used that recently as well with with another project that I was working on because I had data that was either coming directly from a JSON feed um, or I was pulling it from the database, but I always needed the same output. So the whole private instances or, or named name constructors are, are really handy. Yeah. All right. Well, was there anything else on the book that you wanted to uh, talk about? Um, no, I think that we've covered uh, off the main things for me. Okay. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the show for today then. Thanks so much for listening. We are on iTunes now. So if you like the show, go ahead and rate and review it. Uh, you can find the show notes for this episode at our website, northmeetsouth.audio. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on our Twitter account at North South Audio. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.